Hey there, I am Barb Higgins, and this is A Thousand Tiny Steps. In this podcast, I share my stories of love, loss, triumph, and tragedy as I continue to retrace my steps onto what led to the death of my daughter, Molly. By doing so, I hope to not only help myself, but to bring purpose and possibility to those who listen. If you are ready to laugh, cry, shake your head in disbelief, then tie, buckle, face up, or slip on your shoes, and join me as we begin our thousand tiny steps. Hey everybody, Barb Higgins here, welcoming you to episode 118 of A Thousand Tiny Steps. So today's episode is wicked exciting for me because I have this person here. So if you're watching, you can see Lita. Her name is Lita Peterson, and she does this amazing podcast called The CrossFit Lady. So those of you who know my love affair with CrossFit know that I would be totally into this podcast right from the beginning. And my wonderful editor actually found it for me. And I listened to Lita for the first time when I was driving to my level two certification weekend. And I was nervous and anxious and excited. And her voice calmed me down the whole way up and the whole way back. And one of the things that I loved about her podcast and continue to love is that like me, she shares a lot of herself and what's going on inside the mind of Lita and her heart. And those things connect directly to what she does in her life. So when we finally met, yay, it was a no brainer for us to be on, on one another's podcasts. So Lita, welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much. I know I am very excited to finally be doing this with you because I feel like, you know, it was just a universe kind of brought us together. And so really excited to be here. So thank you. Yay. This conversation will be us sort of going back and forth, just digging deep into the realities of Barb and Lita. Just tell me a little bit about yourself. Just where you grew up, who you are, how you came to be you. Right. So I don't think I've shared any of this. This is like totally exclusive out there. I don't even think I've shared this. I know for a fact I haven't shared it in my podcast, but I'm actually born in El Salvador. And so I was born there and we emigrated to the United States when I was about six, going on seven. There was a civil war, which made things pretty scary. So My mom, who was a single mom at the time, 30 years old, decided that it would probably be safest for us to move to the U.S. So she did that. Now, when I think back about that, I think, oh, my gosh, what was she thinking? Because I don't know that I would have like the courage to move to, you know, a whole other country with a six-year-old and really, you know, not speak the language. We both didn't speak the language. So we moved primarily. We were living in the L.A. area, Los Angeles you know, we just kind of made our way. So as typical immigrants, you know, we just, she held a lot of menial jobs and I would just be her buddy. I mean, I would just go and be as helpful or, or just kind of be as not get in the way as much yeah. as possible. And so, you know, we went through a lot of hardships and some good times, you know, cause even when you're poor as a kid, that doesn't concern you. You're just there for the good times, you know, and thankfully my mom is the kind of mom that even when we had very, we were limited, you know, money wise, she would find a way to have fun. There used to be a place called Marine World. I don't even think it exists anymore, but it was similar to Sea World. And, you know, she would take me there, you know, with what little money we had. So, you know, even as not super well off and really struggling, we still managed to have a good time. So I have really good memories growing up in LA and met my husband, you know, fast forward, you know, through all those years and ended up at a junior college where, I met my husband. We dated there for quite some time. You know, I tell the the young people that I come into contact with, this is well before long distance calling, well before, you know, 
texting, any sort of like, you know, ease of communication. Right. So we, we have been dating a few years. And then finally he said, I'm going to move to Pennsylvania because I hear that there are pharmaceutical companies there that can pay for your education. I said, you do that. That sounds great. Like what a wonderful opportunity. And he said, so are we breaking up? And I said, well, you know, I don't know. I don't know if we're breaking up, but you know, it's a long distance relationship, right? I'm in California, you're in Pennsylvania. So I said, we'll, we'll just do the best that we can. Wrote many letters again, yeah. no long distance. I mean, every once in a while, we'd, we'd have a little bit of money where we could like make a phone call here and there, but we managed to stay together for four years and, wow. you know, we've been together ever since. So we just recently celebrated 25 year anniversary, but we've been together for 32. Wow. So since we were 19. Yeah. So that's amazing. <laughs> All right. So what made you yeah. finally decide to move to Pennsylvania? So he made me decide because he was out here working and, you know, we, at that time we, we said, okay, well, let's make a go of this life together. And we decided that I would move out here to the East and we got married and just settled here. And then we just raised our family here. We've been here now, what, almost 30 years. So even when we got together, I knew that I wanted to be a stay-at-home mom. He knew this. I mean, I did, I have a master's in public health and I did work for the American Heart Association and a few other health promotion of public health organizations in the Philadelphia area. But I always knew that once I had kids, I wanted to see home with them. And so that's what I did. I had my daughter at 30 and then pretty much, you know, had her. And then I've never worked out. I've never been a fitness, you know, was kind of like maybe something I did every once in a while when I got an inspiration and then I just quickly let go of it. But once I had kids, I never even considered doing any sort of exercise. I just wanted to like pour myself into motherhood and and do all the things. And, and I'd never thought about anything about myself. I didn't didn't really consider my health. I didn't consider that. And so all those 10 years were when I had my two kids and was busy raising them, I never even gave it a thought until I got to 40. And I did remember distinctly trying to show my youngest how to ride a bike. And you know, what you normally do is you run alongside, you try to keep up with them so that they don't fall. And I couldn't do it. I mean, I was so winded and I was, I just could not keep up. And I just remember that feeling of, oh boy, I'm really missing out here. I'm not able to keep up with my own kid. Right, right. So yeah, that's when I made the decision. I need to do something. And that was my 40th birthday. So it was auspicious. Wow. So here you and I are similar in the sense that we're women over 50 active in CrossFit. So it's funny, you know, completely different paths got us to kind of the same place. Right. (laughs) But I I can agree very much, especially now with being 60 years old and having a two and a half year old. I'm mindful all the time of my limitations physically and that I need to maintain my physicality and even get back to, to better movement. The hardest thing for me is getting off the floor. Like I, I can, you know, yeah. I did, you know, five sets of five deadlifts the other day at 185. So I can pick up 185 pounds, 25 times, but it right. takes me five minutes to get off the floor. Like- <laughs> but I was going to say like, you had such a great foundation that yeah. you built throughout all those years. So even when you weren't, you know, necessarily doing that, you know, you had built that foundation that still serves you well. I mean, that that's what I think about it. I know that I know that I'm not doing the things that I was doing in CrossFit when I first started. I'm definitely changed as an athlete, but you know, I'm sure getting off the floor is going to be one of the things that I'm going to like, you know, have to wrestle with later on. But I know that, you know, what we've been building over the course of the years is really going to serve us well. Just, you know, keeping things from just creeping as opposed to like sliding downhill for that. I'm really thankful. Yeah. Yeah. So 
So back to you and trying to teach your child to ride the bike and being out of shape. What were your first steps into like the, I better take care of my body reality? You know, so this is very ironic. You know, my master's is in public health, right? I worked for the American Heart Association and talked to people about heart disease and eating well and exercise and all of that. And all of that good advice that I would dispense was something I wasn't doing. I wasn't doing that for myself. And I also kind of had... I had an arrogance about me. I would think to myself, like, I know how to do this. I don't need any help with this. I'll figure it out. I have a degree in this. I don't need any help outside help. And it took a little bit of me like getting off my high horse and humbling myself and saying, you know what? You don't have this. You need to go and find somebody that's going to get you on the right path. And at the time, I really wasn't sure what that was. I just knew that I didn't want to consume any ready set meals. I didn't want to take a shortcut that way. I've always been somebody that be like, just show me the right things to do and I will do it. I will apply that. And for me, I thought Weight Watchers was a good approach because in general, they kind of, yes, they do have some prepackaged foods, but you don't have to go that route if you don't want to. They have sensible information to give you and kind of start you off on the right path. So I started going to those meetings and that really helped a lot. And then I added in exercise. I will tell you that walking around my neighborhood hurt my hips. It hurt my back hurt my legs. I mean, I just wasn't used to it. Then I started with yoga. That was, you know, very humbling too. couldn't hold the pose. I just didn't have the balance. Like everything was off little by little, you know, just trying to be patient with myself. And I think, you know, you and I are similar and like, we are kind of pit bulls, you know, once we get an idea in our head and we have a goal, let's just go after it. And I, and I am very driven that way. I've always have been, okay, this is the goal that, that I want. And the goal was really to be there for my kids. I wanted to be that mom that could keep up with them and not have to worry that I didn't have the energy. And so that was in the forefront and, you know, just kept at it. Along the way, I did find a CrossFit gym that had just opened up and I'm still friends with the owner of that CrossFit gym. We're still friends to this day. The wonderful thing about, you know, having the same email address, it's kept all these messages that I, from 2015, when I was emailing him saying, are you sure there are 43 year olds doing CrossFit? Can you assure me that I am going to be okay? And then he's sending me back. Actually, he sent me back a picture of a couple of master's level athlete women. He said, look, you know, there's women your age doing this. And I said, okay, I'll come in. And (laughs) the rest, as I say, is history, but I'm glad I took the plunge. I've never looked back. This has been just a wonderful, wonderful experience, wonderful journey for me. Oh, same here. Do you remember your first workout? Yeah, mine was Nasty Girls. And I have, yeah, right. Heavily scaled. I think I was definitely doing jumping, jumping pull up. And so every time it comes around, it's a nice reminder of where I started. Yeah. When I travel, I like to go into different gyms and I just went to one and there was a woman there and it was her second day and she looked at me and I was congratulating her for coming in. I said, this is awesome. You know, she was in her forties and she said, she looked at me and she said, when will I stop being sore? <laughs> and I said, oh, it'll be a while, but it, it's going to get better. Trust me. But I just, that took me back because I remember oh. that, you know, my kids would like, I would, my kids were still young and I would come home and I'd say, can you give mommy a back rub? And I would always be asking for like back rubs and massages. Cause it was, you know, you just have that soreness. Yeah. yeah I was sitting yeah. on the couch and Molly and Grace were like in a kitty corner love seat, small couch. And I went to get up and I was like, oh, and so I had to slither onto the floor and then turn over and push myself. They still, oh, they, they'll never, they, well, Molly doesn't remember now, but I mean, Gracie still remembers 
Yeah. Ta- we still talk about the early days of CrossFit. So yeah, yeah, I loved yeah. it. I loved it. Now, have you ever been competitive or has it always been really about fitness for you? I think it's mostly been about fitness. I will say that I'm not competitive. However, when that clock goes off, you have the the previous class, you've had time to like digest with the person. There's always a person that you look up to in your gym, right? And though I kind of clock that person's time and what they did and all of that. And then I'm telling you that something, a little something kicks in for me. I won't say I will at this age and, and the older I get, the more I realize like, don't push it. You know, you got to come back the next day, you know, be careful. But I, I do have a little bit of sense, like, let me try to see, let me see if I can get one more rep. Let me see if I can add another five pounds. (laughs) And then, you know, competitive, mostly with myself, I would say. I love those Um, as a coach. I love those athletes. There's a group of men at my, at one of the gyms I coach at. And whenever the, one of them comes in and they haven't been in the class where all the other ones are, like if they have to go to a different time of day, first thing they do is go to Wattify and log in and see how, what everyone else did. Okay. Now I have my goal and I'm just like, Oh, God. (laughs) I know. Tell me about your coaching journey going from, can I even do CrossFit to being a level three coach for, for those of you not familiar with CrossFit level three is, is like solid. It's not an easy (laughs) to get. Yeah. Like I got my level one, believe it or not, it hasn't even been two years. It'll be two years this month. I think coming up in maybe another week or so, it'll be two years since I got my L1 and mainly because my you know, my daughter went to college and my son was 14, 15, not really needing me around. And I did go back into the workforce basically with what I left behind, which was doing grant writing for a health education organization. And I hated it. You know, I just, I've now just cannot sit at a computer for hours on end. I cannot be sedentary. I, I just really, I tried and I just, it just wasn't working for me. So let that go. And then my husband says, well, what brings you joy? What do you enjoy? What would you, you know, not get sick of doing? And I said, CrossFit, like, it sounds so, it sounds so silly, but I said, you know, I really enjoy CrossFit. I enjoy learning about it. I enjoy, you know, being part of it. And so he said, you know, why don't you take the level one and and see what that's about? So I started with that level one, got a, a lot out of that, started coaching almost right after I took it. And then, you know, just wanted to then, like I said to you before, once I get a hold of a goal, yeah. I'm like, let's go for it. I'm not wasting any time. You know, I'm in my fifties now. So like I said, I don't have time to waste. I have limited amount of time, I guess you could say to be on the floor as a coach. So like, I just want to get things going. So fairly quickly signed up for the level two, did that. You're right. It's a wonderful course. I really kind of ups your coaching game. And then from there, I'm like, okay, well, what's next? Let's do the level three and let's go. Let's keep going. The level three I enjoyed because it was a lot of book learning. I'm a good learner. And all of that, again, it feeds. If you like to geek out on CrossFit, that really (laughs) kind of feeds the beast. And I like to share that information. I think people, I don't know that I'm the kind of person, like if I'm doing something, I want to learn all about it. Why are we back squatting this way? Why are we supposed to, you know, raise the bar way over our head and, and make sure that we have it fully elevated. I mean, just the nuances are really appealing to learn. So I like to share that in my classes as well. And, you know, future goal level four, why not? Like there it is. (laughs) Why stop now? Exactly. You know, I just, that's the journey. Yeah. Yeah. The other piece, I think it would be good for listeners on both of our shows to know is that there's a high level of integrity in the CrossFit 
franchise. So of course, like I often say, there's no room for assholes in a CrossFit gym because it's too community oriented. When somebody's a jerk, they don't last long or they're divisive and, and it becomes a problem that gets resolved. That isn't the truth in a big globo gym where you just sign up and go and do what you want. You can have a lot of divisive behavior there. In my trainings, so the two times I've taken the level one and my level two, the level of integrity around the knowledge they're imparting, around the reasons why the philosophy is the way it is and what the desired outcome is, is just so transparent to me. It's something like I have no trouble supporting the CrossFit philosophy because I don't feel that it's a gimmick. It has all the monikers of a gimmick. CrossFit, it's a new thing, you know, and, you know, all the things that people say about it and all the little lingo and, th and this and that. But, you know, I'm, so I have a master's in health and adaptive phys ed. So a bachelor's in elementary and special ed, then a master's in PE and health with a specialization in adaptive PE. So I've spent my entire life scaling elementary PE and middle school PE and high school PE, either scaling the activities or scaling how they're presented. You know, so what do I need to do for the student to allow them to fit in? Or what do I need to do to the activity to allow them to fit in? Which is just scaling, 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 scaling. So when I first joined CrossFit and saw the workouts and saw that, you know, I can't do pull-ups yet. Well, you don't need to do pull-ups. There's three or four other things you can do instead. Oh, mm -hmm. you know, and so when you, when you look at the end of a workout, you know, it's like competency-based education. You've met the competency. You've shown that you understand the competency at your level. You've picked up 50 pounds or you've picked up 150 pounds, whatever it is, you've executed it. So I don't have a hard time. I don't have a hard time supporting and pushing CrossFit because I believe in it so much. Also for me, mm -hmm. and I would love to hear if you have any of this as well. It's been a huge emotional savior for me. One of my first gym owner coaches had a very bad accident in the military and lost a lot of friends. And so there's all that survivor guilt and then all the trauma from remembering what happened. And he was in a very bad place and, and, and he attributes CrossFit to keeping him from ending his life. And so for me, I found CrossFit, you know, a few months after a really traumatizing job loss. When Molly died, that same coach brought Gracie into the gym and said, you need to come here three times a week. And he didn't make her pay. And, and he just took her under his wing and just, he coached her and he was hard on her. And sometimes she cried because that's who she is. But that element of CrossFit isn't lost on me either. How much it helps me here. Do you have any experiences like that? Oh, absolutely. Every day. I mean, you know, and, and that is the thing. I mean, you know, people joke and I've heard people joke saying like CrossFit is my attitude adjuster. You know, if I'm not here, you know, my whole mood is off in that. I can attest to that same thing. But you're right. I mean, I've come across people who have come to CrossFit as a way to free themselves from addiction, yeah. to try to restart their life in some sort of way. And I see them and I think it's part one part is community, right? We have people that are surrounding you with, I don't know how to put it into words, but like, it's a very genuine kind of relationship building, you know, yes. not based on anything. The people that belong to a CrossFit box are coming from all walks of life. You have doctors, you have lawyers, you have you know, teachers, all different. But when you come into the gym, you are just one kind of person. You're a CrossFitter. Everybody kind of is meeting in that same, on that same level. And you yes. can now have a conversation with people as your peers, yes. you know, where normally outside of the box, they might be moving in different circles. So that's number one. And, and that we become a really tight group. The types of workouts that we do are grueling and they do, you know, we talk about how it's not just physically taxing, but mentally, there's a lot of like, pushing through that there have been some times when I've actually cried 
you know, through some workouts. And, and it's not because my body's hurting. It's because mentally I'm just like, can I push myself anymore? I mean, it's really taken a lot out of me now, you know, just like you strengthen your body that gets stronger as well. But so it's definitely has helped a lot. And I think that when we share that experience, you know, I don't want to say it's like shared trauma, but it sort of is, but it is, you know, it is. I mean, you know, you come and then you fist bump and that there's a little magic in that fist bump because you're telling somebody, I understand what you've just been through. And you know what? You did a good job. You pushed yourself and I'm proud of you. It's all that said with that fist bump. And that, I just think it's cool. Yeah, I would agree. Coming into CrossFit as a coach. So I coached girls cross country and my biggest team was 60 girls. Now keep in mind only five score six and seven are in the scoring, but they, they don't count in the points they displace. Mm -hmm. So I had 53 girls that on any given day were just there, right? They didn't need to be there in terms of the win or loss of the meet. And one of the big things that I spent a lot of time on with them was creating the community. So I would make them wear their uniform shirts to school to practice when I handed them out, everyone go change and put this on. What's on your shirt? Well, the letter C what's on your shirt, the letter C. And I would ask everybody. And sometimes on a bigger team, I get halfway through and they're like, we get it. I'm like, sorry, I haven't asked everyone yet. And the whole gist of it was that in the locker room and at practice, we were one person, what group you hung out with, how rich your parents were, how big your boobs were, who your boyfriend was, how many zits you had, like whatever your reality was, right? Went away. And we were just that. And then once we sort of developed that, I would say, I need you to make sure you're carrying this over in the hallway. You don't walk by your cross-country teammate and look the other way because she's, she's a geek. You say hi to her and you walk into the cafeteria and you see one of your teammates sitting alone at a table. You say, I'm going to go eat with Susie today. And you go sit and eat with Susie. Like, and it didn't take long for this to really catch on. And I know that when I joined CrossFit, I felt like I was at cross country practice. Like, oh my God, we have little announcements and we talk. And if you get a PR, you get to ring the bell and like all these things that, that, that can appear hokey. It's not just a fitness class. It's like an, like a whole experience. No, there's many times that I thought of like experiences at the box that I think, wow, I wish this could carry over more so in the real world, as you say. But yeah, that's a great example of that. You know, they show up for people, I think, because I think we do get a chance to get to know each other on a very individual basis. We get personal, you know, we have those talks. And I think then it makes it so that you're not judging people. You understand there's more to them than that, what you're just seeing, you know, which is not something you get really anywhere. I mean, it's very hard to kind of make these connections anymore. That's another thing that I appreciate about it. Like you were saying in the, you know, earlier on is that, you know, we have kind of a disconnect, you know, in other parts of the every day, you know, but the the box is the one place where you actually are talking to people face to face, not on your phone, getting to know them, getting the little tidbits about what they did this weekend and what they're going to do next weekend. So, you know, it makes it, family really more than oh community. You you described a family pretty yeah. much with yeah, exactly. John, the owner. Yeah. 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 It's the same thing. Tell me about yeah. some of your favorite coaching things. Yeah. I love, well, first of all, I love, I love new people. Does it, I mean, every coach loves a new person coming in, never done CrossFit, don't know what anything means. And they're coming in for the first time. And I just, I get giddy, you know, cause I just, I'm like, I'm so excited for you. And they're kind of looking at me like, sometimes I have to tell myself to like tone it down. So I don't like come yeah. off as creepy. Cause I get so excited. So new people are are great just because, you know, you, you want to do right by them. But like, I personally don't feel like I got great coaching. You know, I've been in, I've been doing CrossFit for about like eight and a half years. And I know like my coaching was like spotty and I have some gaps. And so now that I know better, I want to do better for them. And so when I do see new people, I'm like, let me start you off. I'm like a really great, 
you know, great mechanics get you moving really well. Yeah. And so that that's exciting. My passion, as you know, the whole reason why I started CrossFit podcast is I really want to see more women over 50. If they've already started CrossFit, I don't want them to quit because they feel like they've aged out. Right. I want them to continue. Or if they've never done it, I want them like start. I am a one person experiment. I can say, look, I wasn't fit. I wasn't athletic at all. And my experience now being postmenopausal is so much better because of it. So like, I'm really passionate on getting women 50 and over to come in. I am also training right now. It's up to four of my neighbor ladies who are all in their mid sixties coming to my garage gym. And we're doing basically the things that you described. They're working on balance. They're working on, you know, just having a little bit more control over their core and, you know, and everything else. So we're doing basic foundational movements, you know? And so that's exciting. Those are all the things that really kind of like just get me fired up in the morning are those things, you know? But in general, I mean, just, you know, being in a class, that's like really fun. I love it when we have, you know, really big classes, you know, we have like more than 12, 15 people or whatever, and the music is pumping and people are working. And I mean, that's just, you know, you come out of that class and you're just, you know, even as a coach, you just feel fired up. So yeah, I agree. Yeah. There's a lot of, a lot of fun times. I feel like, you know, it's like adult play, like, you know, just (laughs) yesterday at warm up, I, I said, let's skip. Let's skip for our warm up, and then you know what? It was so much fun. I'm like, let's keep going. Let's keep skipping. You know, it's like, this is our time to play and have yeah. fun, and it's a lot of. And cool I do things. that kind of stuff in warm ups too. Like, okay, <laughs> yes. walk like you're on a beautiful stroll in a garden. Okay, now yes. walk like you need to catch the bus. Okay, walk like you're gonna get a detention if you miss bio class. You know, okay, walk like a dog is chasing. Like just ridiculous yeah. things. You know, yeah, those are fun. Well, I have to say to you given the current climate around who's American and who isn't and who should live where and how might we get there. I remember the El Salvador conflicts and everything. So I'm 60. How old are you? 51. Right. So nine years difference. So when you were six, I was 15. So I remember all through my high school and college years, a lot of what was going on in those small countries Mm -hmm. that I'd never heard of until this. And then you come here and you don't speak a language and you only have your mom and you're in LA, which is a melting pot for sure. But I just think those stories also have such meaning and value because, you know, I had your classic Northern New Hampshire, you know, United States, white Christian girl (laughs) upbringing, you know, like I am exactly, (laughs) I don't know what I am, but your story would fascinate me because it's, you know, it's, it's the same things all little girls do. They want to have fun. They want to eat ice cream. They want to play. They want to look pretty, but you and I look out of two completely different sets of eyes. Yeah. I've contemplated for many years writing a book because, you know, we went through a lot. It was funny because, and I don't know if how you feel about how time changes when you're going through something time, it just exists on a whole different plane. And so I knew maybe I need to get a ghostwriter because I've been contemplating this book for so many years. And finally I sat down one day and I said, let me think about what I would narrow it down to what years. And when I narrowed it down, I was shocked that it was only seven years of my life because it felt interminable. I mean, it just felt like I said, really only seven years, but so much was compressed and happened during those seven years. And actually I was writing this morning because what I've started doing is just basically taking memories when you're young and you have trauma, you know, memories kind of come in spurts. And so what I'm trying to do is to capture them and then just kind of hurry up and like, I jot down notes and then I go in and flesh them out as much as I can. Sometimes I'm able to talk to my mom and get a little bit of information. But the one that I wrote this morning was about, we lived behind the man's Chinese theater in Hollywood. 
And I had to walk to the local elementary school, which is called Selma Avenue Elementary. And I remember I didn't speak a whole lot of English. I must have been about eight or maybe just turned eight. And I had one, I had made it one friend, you know, she and I played, you know, in the school grounds or whatever. And then as the months went on, I started making other friends. And I think this, this original friend felt bad that, you know, it wasn't just her and I anymore. Unbeknownst to me, she probably complained to her mother. Anyway, one day I was leaving school to walk back. My mom was working at an Arby's just down the street and I was going to, go to her job and and wait out her shift. When I felt a woman grab me from behind and she had a knife to my throat. (laughs) So the thing is that I didn't see the knife, but what I could see was all the other adults and children kind of looking at us. And she was saying things. Now I didn't understand that. I didn't speak English very well. I could hear her, you know, angrily whispering to me something. And she was like, kind of shoving me around with her body. And I could see the expression of other people looking at us, but I had no clue what was really happening. And I'm kind of glad that I couldn't look down and see that she was brandishing a knife. Eventually I, you know, there were teachers that were, you know, I could tell they were like, you know, using their hands saying like in this calming down motion, like calm down and trying to deescalate. And they finally did were able to like get her off of me and the police were there and they arrested her. So that's just, you know, that was just a day. And then you know, my mom remembers, I mean, we were just talking about it. She does remember that they called her at work and said, you need to come down and pick up your daughter. So she went, but they didn't, you know, they, they just kind of, it was very matter of fact. And, and she said they didn't even really go into the whole scenario. They just said, this happened and she got arrested and okay, goodbye. We'll see you tomorrow. <laughs> there was no like, you know, you can press charges or right. you can, you know, maybe take, you know, there was just kind of, that's the so immigrant you have to experience. Go back to I think school. you just kind of have to go. You just, oh, oh so sorry this happened to you and yeah. goodbye. we'll see you tomorrow. Yeah. <laughs> That's just another day, you know, that kind yeah. of thing. But I can't even wrap my head around it quite honestly. Wow. <laughs> but you remember it. You remember it. I'm yeah. sure you remember smells and, and feelings and a flash of color. Like some of my traumatic memories are that way. Have you ever read the, yeah. ever read the book called the body keeps the score? Yes. Yes. By Besser. Yeah. That was a hard read for me. I had to put it down and pick it up and put it down and pick it up. But I look at also like the intergenerational trauma. So think about, you know, your parents and grandparents and whatever traumas they went through living in El Salvador and then whatever you come through here. So I look at my parents and my family, my parents, my grandparents, and all the stories I've heard of them. And we, we just intuit so much of that just in the process of growing in our bellies and, you know, Mm -hmm. and passing along. And I, I just memories like that, that one single event and then the many like that, that might occur in a life just orchestrate so many other things, you know, right. because, because you have a mindset now or, or a reaction or a fear. Wow. Well, I, I know that, you know, that all those bits, you know, all those, all those situations, right. Where we had that trauma. And also I've been, you know, sexually abused too, because we were vulnerable when, you, when you're vulnerable in this country, you have yeah. lack of ch- good childcare, lack of good, you know, just anything. We didn't yeah. have a whole lot of support. So those things happened to me too. You learn how to engage with the world in a different way. So like, yes. I'm very much a people pleaser. Yeah. Um, oh. That's my survival mechanism. Yes. Don't you say know? no. I um, was- no, 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 not confrontation, yes. you know, you know, so like we have a way of, of being able to survive and, yeah. and I have to accept that about myself. And that, I think not until this now, you know, this time that I'm, you know, in my fifties, I've like recognized that as, 
oh, that's what I was doing. I was just sur- trying to survive, yeah, you know, and that's right. what I had at my disposal. Yeah. So yeah. you're kind of, you know, give yourself a little grace because that's all, you know, as a kid, that's all you had. You know, you didn't really have a whole lot of power or authority, no, right? No, at all. So. No. And we made do with what we had. And we had a lot of independence too, which maybe mm-hmm. independence is the wrong word. We had a lot of time to figure Freedom. it out for ourselves. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I think back now to things I did by myself at age seven, eight, nine, and I wouldn't in a million years have let Gracie or Molly do those things or more will I let Jack? It's interesting. Yeah. No, riding your bike all around. And, you know, I mean, (laughs) I I mean, I would ride towns over, you know, I don't even, no one ever, and you know, again, no cell phones, no one's tracking you. I mean, I don't know. And somehow I made my way back. I mean, I'd talk to whoever, I mean, it was just kind of weird. My mother, she'd pack me a lunch and I'd go to the park (laughs) in the morning and I'd swim all morning. I'd eat my lunch at the park. I'd swim all evening. I'd come home at five. I was by myself for eight hours. <laughs> she'd drive up to the park to say, I'm going grocery shopping. And I'd be, okay. You know, and off she'd go and I'd go back to whoever I was but, playing with. And- but I'd like to think that those things also made us very self-reliant. Yes, and I think yes. that that's, you know, something we carry over now. Like, is I feel very like, you yeah. know, the type of person that I could see myself through anything. Yes. I mean, you know, well, we could um, navigate social situations, navigate and figure things yes. out. Yeah. 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 I feel so, like we could, we could drive the train and I look at Gracie and there are times that she is still a passenger on it. It's like, Oh, sweetie, you're 22. You have to figure this out. <laughs> yeah. Well, listen, Lita, this has been amazing. I could talk to you all day. <laughs> I feel so we'll the same. To, yeah. Yeah. We'll have to get together and that would be awesome. So if people want to find you, how do they find you on, on the interwebs? On the interwebs. So on Instagram at CF Lady Podcast, or they could just shoot me an email at CrossFitLadyPodcast at gmail.com. And I try to do my very best to get an episode out on my podcast that's on Apple or Spotify. I try to get it out every couple of weeks, but I'm giving myself a little bit more freedom to yeah. to be a little bit relaxed with that time frame, just because things comes up and I don't want to be completely tied. I'm just yeah. really glad that we can make it work today. Yeah, and same here. And yeah, I just so touching what you're sharing about Molly and how she was as a person and her spirit is living on through all the things that you're yeah. doing through her yeah. foundation. So yeah. amazing. That's yeah. good. I've just finished a wonderful conversation with Lita, the lovely Lita. So as always be good to yourself, do something kind for yourself. Maybe check out a nearby CrossFit gym, be good to someone else, bring a friend along once you fall in love with CrossFit. And as always, have a good day, everybody. Thank you, Lita. Uh, you're welcome. Have a nice night. Hey, thanks for listening and supporting the podcast. Feel free to leave a review and share my stories with your friends. Please reach out with your own stories as I love connecting with my listeners. If you would like to get to know Molly, head over to mollybfoundation.org to see what she is all about. If you want to see what I'm up to next, you can find me on Instagram at barb underscore 444. On Facebook is Barb Higgins. And at my website, a thousand tiny steps.com. And while you're there, sign up for my newsletter, a weekly way to find out what's up in the life of Barb Higgins.